Section 16 of On Christian Doctrine. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. On Christian Doctrine by Augustine of Hippo. Translated by J. F. Shaw. Section 16. Chapter 34. The Fourth Rule of Tychonius. 47. The Fourth Rule of Tychonius is about species and genus. For so he calls it, intending that by species should be understood a part, by genus the whole of which that which he calls species is a part. As for example, every single city is a part of the great society of nations. The city he calls a species. All nations constitute the genus. There is no necessity for here applying that subtlety of distinction which is in use among logicians, who discuss with great acuteness the difference between a part and a species. The rule is, of course, the same, if anything of the kind referred to is found in Scripture, not in regard to a single city, but in regard to a single province or tribe or kingdom. Not only, for example, about Jerusalem or some of the cities of the Gentiles, such as Tyre or Babylon, are things said in Scripture whose significance oversteps the limits of the city, and which are more suitable when applied to all nations. But in regard to Judea also, and Egypt, and Assyria, or any other nation you choose to take which contains numerous cities, but still is not the whole world, but only a part of it, things are said which pass over the limits of that particular country, and apply more fitly to the whole of which this is a part, or, as our author terms it, to the genus of which this is a species. And hence these words have come to be commonly known, so that even uneducated people understand what is laid down specially, and what generally, in any given imperial command. The same thing occurs in the case of men. Things are said of Solomon, for example, the scope of which reaches far beyond him, and which are only properly understood when applied to Christ and his church, of which Solomon is a part. 48. Now the species is not always overstepped, for things are often said of such a kind as evidently apply to it also, or perhaps even to it exclusively. But when Scripture, having up to a certain point been speaking about the species, makes a transition at that point from the species to the genus, the reader must then be carefully on his guard against seeking in the species what he can find much better and more surely in the genus. Take, for example, what the prophet Ezekiel says. When the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they defiled it by their own way and by their doings. Their way was before me as the uncleanness of a removed woman. Wherefore I poured my fury upon them for the blood that they had shed upon the land and for their idols wherewith they had polluted it. And I scattered them among the heathen, and they were dispersed through the countries, 
according to their way and according to their doings i judge them now it is easy to understand that this applies to the house of israel of which the apostle says behold israel after the flesh because the people of israel after the flesh did both perform and endure all that is here referred to what immediately follows to may be understood as applying to the same people but when the prophet begins to say and i will sanctify my great name which was profaned among the heathen which ye have profaned in the midst of them and the heathen shall know that i am the lord the reader ought now carefully to observe the way in which the species is overstepped and the genus taken in for he goes on to say and i shall be sanctified in you before their eyes for i will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries it will bring you into your own land then will i sprinkle clean water upon you and ye shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols will i cleanse you a new heart also will i give you and a new spirit will i put within you and i will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and i will give you a heart of flesh and i will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and ye shall keep my commandments and do them and ye shall dwell in the land that i gave to your fathers and ye shall be my people and i will be your god and i will save you from all your uncleannesses now that is a prophecy of the new testament to which pertain not only the remnant of that one nation of which it is elsewhere said for though the number of the children of israel be as the sand of the sea yet a remnant of them shall be saved but also the other nations which were promised to their fathers and our fathers and that there is here a promise of that washing of regeneration which as we see is now imparted to all nations no one who looks into the matter can doubt and that saying of the apostle when he is commending the grace of the new testament and its excellence in comparison with the old ye are our epistle written not with ink but with the spirit of the living god not in tables of stone but in fleshy tables of the heart as an evident reference to this place where the prophet says a new heart also will i give you and a new spirit will i put within you and i will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and i will give you an heart of flesh now the heart of flesh from which the apostle's expression the fleshy tables of the heart is drawn the prophet intended to point out as distinguished from the stony heart by the possession of sentient life and by sentient he understood intelligent life and thus the spiritual israel is made up not of one nation but of all the nations which were promised to the fathers in their seed that is in christ forty nine this spiritual israel therefore is distinguished from the carnal israel which is of one nation by newness of grace not by nobility of descent in feeling not in race but the prophet in his depth of meaning while speaking of the carnal israel 
passes on without indicating the transition to speak of the spiritual and although now speaking of the latter seems to be still speaking of the former not that he grudges us the clear apprehension of scripture as if we were enemies but that he deals with us as a physician giving us a wholesome exercise for our spirit and therefore we ought to take this saying and i will bring you into your own land and what he says shortly afterwards as if repeating himself and ye shall dwell in the land that i gave to your fathers not literally as if they referred to israel after the flesh but spiritually as referring to the spiritual israel for the church without spot or wrinkle gathered up of all nations and destined to reign forever with christ is itself the land of the blessed the land of the living and we are to understand that this was given to the fathers when it was promised to them in the sure and immutable purpose of god for what the fathers believed would be given in its own time was to them on account of the unchangeableness of the promise and purpose the same as if it were already given just as the apostle writing to timothy speaks of the grace which is given to the saints not according to our works but according to his own purpose and grace which was given us in christ jesus before the world began but is now made manifest by the appearing of our saviour he speaks of the grace as given at a time when those to whom it was to be given were not yet in existence because he looks upon that as having already been done in the arrangement and purpose of god which was to take place in its own time and he himself speaks of it as now made manifest it is possible however that these words may refer to the land of the age to come when there will be a new heaven and a new earth wherein the unrighteous shall be unable to dwell and so it is truly said to the righteous that the land itself is theirs no part of which will belong to the unrighteous because it is the same as if it were itself given when it is firmly settled that it shall be given chapter thirty five the fifth rule of tyconius fifty the fifth rule tyconius lays down as one he designates of times a rule by which we can frequently discover or or conjecture quantities of time which are not expressly mentioned in scripture and he says that this rule applies in two ways either to the figure of speech called synecdoche or to legitimate numbers the figure synecdoche either puts the part for the whole or the whole for the part as for example in reference to the time when in the presence of only three of his disciples our lord was transfigured on the mount so that his face shone as the sun and his raiment was white as snow one evangelist says that this event occurred after eight days while another says that it occurred after six days now both of these statements about the number of days cannot be true unless we suppose that the writer who says after eight days counted the latter part of the day on which christ uttered the prediction and the first part of the day on which he showed its fulfillment as two whole days 
while the writer who says after six days counted only the whole unbroken days between these two this figure of speech which puts the part for the whole explains also the great question about the resurrection of christ for unless to the latter part of the day on which he suffered we join the previous night and count it as a whole day and to the latter part of the night in which he arose we join the lord's day which was just dawning and counted also a whole day we cannot make out the three days and three nights during which he foretold that he would be in the heart of the earth fifty one in the next place our author calls these numbers legitimate which holy scripture more highly favors such as seven or ten or twelve or any of the other numbers which the diligent reader of scripture soon comes to know now numbers of this sort are often put for time universal as for example seven times in the day do i praise thee means just the same as his praise shall continually be in my mouth and their force is exactly the same either when multiplied by ten as seventy and seven hundred whence the seventy years mentioned in jeremiah may be taken in a spiritual sense for the whole time during which the church is a sojourner among aliens or when multiplied into themselves as ten into ten gives one hundred and twelve into ten gives one hundred and forty four which last number is used in the apocalypse to signify the whole body of the saints hence it appears that it is not merely questions about times that are to be settled by these numbers but that their significance is of much wider application and extends to many subjects that number in the apocalypse for example mentioned above has not reference to times but to men chapter thirty six the sixth rule of tychonius fifty two the sixth rule tychonius calls the recapitulation which with sufficient watchfulness is discovered in difficult parts of scripture for certain occurrences are so related that the narrative appears to be following the order of time or the continuity of events when it really goes back without mentioning it to previous occurrences which had been passed over in their proper place and we make mistakes if we do not understand this from applying the rule here spoken of for example in the book of genesis we read and the lord god planted a garden eastward in eden and there he put the man whom he had formed and out of the ground made the lord god to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food now here it seems to be indicated that the events last mentioned took place after god had formed man and put him in the garden whereas the fact is that the two events having been briefly mentioned viz that god planted a garden and there put the man whom he had formed the narrative goes back by way of recapitulation to tell what had before been admitted the way in which the garden was planted that out of the ground god made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food here there follows the tree of life was also in the midst of the garden in the tree of knowledge of good and evil 
next the river is mentioned which watered the garden and which was parted into four heads the source of four streams and all this has reference to the arrangements of the garden and when this is finished there is a repetition of the fact which had been already told but which in the strict order of events came after all this and the lord god took the man and put him into the garden of eden for it was there after all these other things were done that man was put in the garden as now appears from the order of the narrative itself it was not after man was put there that the other things were done as the previous statement might be thought to imply did we not accurately mark and understand the recapitulation by which the narrative reverts to what was previously been passed over fifty three in the same book again when the generations of the sons of noah are recounted it is said these are the sons of ham after their families after their tongues in their countries and in their nations and again when the sons of shem are enumerated these are the sons of shem after their families after their tongues in their lands after their nations and it is added in reference to all of them these are the families of the sons of noah after their generations in their nations and by these were the nations divided in the earth after the flood and the whole earth was of one language and of one speech now the addition of this sentence and the whole earth was of one language and of one speech seems to indicate that at the time when the nations were scattered over the earth they had all one language in common but this is evidently inconsistent with the previous words in their families after their tongues for each family or nation could not be said to have its own language if all had one language in common and so it is by way of recapitulation it is added and the whole earth was of one language and of one speech the narrative here going back without indicating the change to tell how it was that from having one language in common the nations were divided into a multitude of tongues and accordingly we are forthwith told of the building of the tower and of this punishment being there laid upon them as the judgment of god upon their arrogance and it was after this that they were scattered over the earth according to their tongues 54. This recapitulation is found in a still more obscure form, as, for example, our Lord says in the Gospel, The same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire from heaven, and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day he which shall be upon the housetop, and his stuff in his house, let him not come down to take it away and he that is in the field let him likewise not return back remember lot's wife is it when our lord shall have been revealed that men are to give heed to these sayings and not to look behind them that is not to long after the past life which they had renounced is not the present rather the time to give heed to them that when the lord shall have been revealed every man may receive his reward according to the things he has given heed to or despised and yet because scripture says in that day 
the time of the revelation of the lord will be thought the time for giving heed to these sayings unless the reader be watchful and intelligent so as to understand the recapitulation in which he will be assisted by that other passage of scripture which even in the time of the apostles proclaimed little children it is the last time the very time then when the gospel is preached up to the time that the lord shall be revealed is the day in which man ought to give heed to these sayings for to the same day which shall be brought to a close by the day of judgment belongs that very revelation of the lord here spoken of chapter thirty seven the seventh rule of Tychonius. fifty five the seventh rule of Tychonius and the last is about the devil and his body for he is the head of the wicked who are in a sense his body and destined to go with him into the punishment of everlasting fire just as christ is the head of the church which is his body destined to be with him in his eternal kingdom and glory accordingly as the first rule which is called of the lord and his body directs us when scripture speaks of one and the same person to take pains to understand which part of the statement applies to the head and which to the body so this last rule shows us that statements are sometimes made about the devil whose truth is not so evident in regard to himself as in regard to his body and his body is made up not only of those who are manifestly out of the way but of those also who though they really belong to him are for a time mixed up with the church until they depart from this life or until the chaff is separated from the wheat at the last great winnowing for example what is said in isaiah how he has fallen from heaven lucifer son of the morning and the other statements of the context which under the figure of the king of babylon are made about the same person are of course to be understood of the devil and yet the statement which is made in the same place he is ground down on the earth who sendeth to all nations does not altogether fitly apply to the head himself for although the devil sends his angels to all nations yet it is his body not himself that is ground down on the earth except that he himself is in his body which is beaten small like the dust which the wind blows from the face of the earth fifty six now all these rules except the one about the promises and the law make one meaning to be understood where another is expressed which is the peculiarity of figurative diction and this kind of diction it seems to me is too widely spread to be comprehended in its full extent by any one for wherever one thing is said with the intention that another should be understood we have a figurative expression even though the name of the trope is not to be found in the art of rhetoric and when an expression of this sort occurs where it is customary to find it there is no trouble in understanding it when it occurs however where it is not customary it costs labor to understand it from some more from some less just as men have got more or less from god of the gifts of intellect or as they have access to more or fewer external helps 
and as in the case of proper words which i discussed above and in which things are to be understood just as they are expressed so in the case of figurative words in which one thing is expressed and another is to be understood and which i have just finished speaking of as much as i thought enough students of these venerable documents ought to be counselled not only to make themselves acquainted with the forms of expression ordinarily used in scripture to observe them carefully and to remember them accurately but also what is especially and before all things necessary to pray that they may understand them for in these very books on the study of which they are intent they read the lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding and it is from him that they have received their very desire for knowledge if it is wedded to piety but about signs so far as relates to words i have now said enough it remains to discuss in the following book so far as god has given me light the means of communicating our thoughts to others end of section sixteen